everybody. Welcome or welcome back to the Fuel Church Podcast. We're so excited that you're joining us today. We want to thank all of you that give generously to this ministry. It's because of your giving that this ministry is possible. To give, you can visit us at thefuelchurch.com. We hope this message inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Better? Okay, okay. Here we go. I, I was praying right in here uh, this afternoon at about 4 o'clock, and um, I laid hands on every chair, and I was just in a moment of prayer, and I really felt that there was going to be a shift for some people tonight. This is what I felt. There's going to be a shift, and, and the shift that I'm talking about is a shift up here. So when you leave this place, for some of you, for some of you, when you leave this place, you're, you're, you may say, well, I don't know if I received that shift because my circumstances haven't changed. And that's okay um, in context of what we're going to talk about, that they haven't changed because the shift is going to start in here first. And your circumstances may look the same as you leave this place. And the mountains that you're staring at and the fiery furnace you may find yourself in, the storm you may find yourself in, but there is going to be a shift up here that sets you free to look at your circumstance and to deal with it in a different way. In a different way. Colossians 3, 1 through 3. Let's read it. Since then you have been raised with Christ... Set your hearts on things, where? Where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you have died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Key part of the verse, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things things. I heard this story this week, and it goes like this. Two prisoners looked out from their prison cell one night. One saw mud, while the other saw stars. Both were in the same cell. Both were prisoners in the same prison. Both looked out at the same time. But what made the difference? Their perspective. Their perspective. One saw the stars and he had a positive attitude. The other one saw mud and he had a negative attitude. The story asked the question, what are you looking at? And that's the title of my message tonight. What are you looking at? I want you to look at your name and say, what are you looking at? you looking at um most of us in the last 19 months have been looking at the headlines most of us have been looking at the headlines and they have dominated our lives we started hearing something around february of 2020 of some kind of virus that was coming and then in march the second sunday in march there was a nationwide shutdown. And this church went online for the very first time. 
I believe it was March 13th, if I'm correct, of 2020. And here we were looking at the headlines. They begin to dominate our lives, this new mysterious disease. And they at first called it Corona and everybody who drank Corona beer was freaking out. I got a virus. I'm a Corona beer drinker. Put the lime away, baby. The stock plummeted for Corona beer. I mean, it did. It really did. Crazy, right? All seriousness, people started to die. People started to suffer. A nationwide shutdown, a stay-at-home order. Next thing you know, parents are homeschooling their kids. Come on, somebody. And I mean, my Lord, it got so bad that there was a global toilet paper shortage. And so we're getting old T-shirts out and just doing what we got to do. We do what we got to do. Um, so if that wasn't bad enough, if that wasn't bad enough, we get into some racial and political tensions and divisions that begin to divide our country. After months and months of negative headlines, finally a slimmer of hope that the virus is slowing down, that it's going away, but not for long. Because it comes back and now it mutates into something called Delta. And so we all stop flying Delta. No, I'm just joking about that. That's just one of my preacher jokes. With so many negative headlines, it sent most of us into a tailspin of stress, anxiety, depression, mental health issues, strong feelings of hopelessness and isolation. And uh, how many of you know Christians aren't exempt from any of that stuff? And so if you didn't feel any of those things, maybe you should have the microphone tonight. Because I'm with you, right? I'm with you. We, 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 we were hearing so many negative headlines. Negative, negative. And fear began to dominate the topic of the day. And fear begin to consume our lives. And by God's grace, the church of this size of hundreds and hundreds of people, by God's grace, we only lost one, to my knowledge, to this horrible disease. Um, but we lost many. We lost many to fear. We lost many to depression. We lost many to hopelessness. For a lot of people I know, the feeling that we felt really compounded in 2021. I say it like this. I didn't really feel 2020 until 2021. And this has been the hardest year of my 23 years of serving the Lord Jesus Christ by far. And um, I came tonight really to preach out of my pain, if you'll allow me. If you'll allow me to be vulnerable, if you'll allow me to speak a little bit about what I've faced, and I just believe that there's going to be a shift for somebody tonight. And I believe 
what's been on you for 19 months since March 2020 is going to break tonight by the power and the authority of Jesus Christ. And you're going to hear what I've learned in this season. And one of the things is this, that you can't always change your circumstances, but you can change your perspective. You can't always change what you're going through, but you can change the way you're looking at it. So my question to you tonight is, what are you looking at? What are you looking at? What is dominating the headlines of your life? What have you allowed to cause you to have distorted vision for the last 19 months? What are you looking at? What headlines are you co-signing on? We see throughout the Bible that God's people, they did some great things, right? All throughout the Old and New Testament. And I love the Bible because it just doesn't say all the great things they've done. Like we were talking about the story of David and Goliath, but, but, but the Bible talks about the, the, the struggles of David, the failures of David, the shortcomings of David. And uh, I think we're in pretty good company with the word, right? I think we're in pretty good company because we see that there was a group of people in the Bible that allowed fear to drive what they saw. They allowed fear to drive what they saw. They believed the negative headlines. And because of that, they were stopped short of the promise that God had given them. Promise. God gives you a promise. And then there's process. And under process is pain. Come on, somebody. Under process is pity, if you allow it. Self-pity. Under process is people. Under process is presumptions. Come on. A whole lot of problems. And a whole lot of problems under process until you get to the promise. But I'm here to tell you tonight, you got to go through the process to get to the promise. And that's not always comfortable. And that's when most Christians shipwreck their faith. That's when they jet out, like we have seen in record numbers, not just in our church. I'm talking about the Big C Church. We've seen it all over because they did not go through the process. But if we can hang out during the process, if we can grow through it, if we can learn from it, then we will get to our promised land. We may be delayed, but we will not be denied. And so we're going to go to the book of Numbers tonight, and it's going to give us a blueprint, I believe, where most of us find ourselves. I want to set up the story because the book of Numbers comes into play right after the exodus of the Israelites out of Egypt. Someone say Egypt. You do remember what happened in Egypt, right? Okay. Um, for those of you who are new to church, quick refresher. Egypt was hell on earth. Egypt was hell on earth for the children of Israel. 400 years of slavery and death for the children of Israel. It was a story of slavery, but threaded in it was also a story of hope. Can I just set this up? And then can I preach to you? Um, 
There was a story of slavery, but a story of hope. The reason there is a story of hope running parallel with the story of slavery is because God told Abraham. Who did he tell? Abraham, who is called the father of our faith. Abraham, God told Abraham that uh, his people, the Israelites, would live in a land that was good, a land that was uh, flowing with milk and honey. Come on, you have me right there at honey. God's promised land. The leader, Abraham, was given this promise. And the the only thing was that it wouldn't happen until after 400 years of slavery, persecution, and mistreatment. Hmm? So the people have been holding on to that promise generation after generation. 400 years. They're under Pharaoh, the taskmaster. He told them when to get up when to go to sleep. He told them when to work and how to work. And he gave them the materials to work with. He told them when they could eat and when they couldn't eat. They were under bondage. Someone say bondage. They were under the evil hands of Pharaoh in Egypt and they were under bondage. But they, generation after generation, they held on. The story of hope was that Abraham was given a promise from God that we would move into our promised land. So there was this story of crucial and evil slavery, but there was this story of hope and, 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 and then hope kept them alive. God is going to deliver us one day. God is going to hold Pharaoh and his people accountable. God is going to make every wrong right. We believe it. It's going to happen. He's going to bring us into this good land and we're going to be free from this man. So they finally set out on the freedom journey. They were free. Over two million of them. Someone say two million. And the first thing they encountered was a Red Sea. And you know the story. They came up to the Red Sea and God just kind of blew his nose. It's parted the Red Sea. And the Israelites went over on dry land. And when the Egyptians came, that water just began to come over top of them and destroy them they were wiped out God said I'm taking you to a land they were on their journey they were on their exodus out and then the book of numbers picks up and we're in our second year out of Egypt second year as we see the book of numbers come into play they are two years post Egypt and pastor Mo can we call him pastor Mo has been given the task now of counting all the people and organizing them for this journey to point them to the presence and the promise of God along the way. He had the task of pastoring two million people. Y'all, y'all stress me out enough. Just look at my beard from the last 19 months. It's going to be full gray by the end of the next year. And no, I'm not dying it. Pastor Mo had the task of organizing 2 million people. Understand this, 2 million. 600,000 were men. We could guesstimate that there were, they all had a wife. Maybe some of them didn't. Let's just say, for the message's sake, that there were 600,000 men. There were 600,000 women. That's 1.2 million. That leaves 800,000 for kids, teenagers, and young adults. It was like herding a bunch of middle schoolers jacked up on Red Bull, y'all, <laughs> to try to get these people together. 
And so God gives them a plan. God always has a plan when people act crazy. God always has a plan. He says, take the 12 tribes, and you're going to break up the children of Israel, and you're going to make 12 tribes out of them. You're going to have a leader. You're going to have a pastor over each tribe. And so he sets up the sets it up and God's just speaking and God and the people, man, they're starting to get pumped up. They're two years out of Egypt and they're like, man, Pastor Moe's got the vision. He's about to take us. We are fired up, man. We are ready. Let's go. And they're like Braveheart moment. You know what I mean? They're fired up. They're ready to go in the promised land. So the first 10 chapters of the book of Numbers, I'm just setting the stage for you. It's full of excitement and things are going really well. And Moses divides all these tribes and he gives them each tribe responsibilities. And then God gives them the the plan for the tabernacle. Come on now. The church, the presence of God. He gave him this plan and he said, this is how you're going to build it. And this is what you're going to put in it. And it's going to be a mobile tabernacle. And wherever you go, I go. I'm going to be with you. You will not be alone. And the presence of God is going to lead you. And, and then, then God says, and don't worry about what you're going to eat because I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to drop food from heaven every day. It's going to be all over the ground and you're going to go up and you're going to grab it and you're going to eat it. And it can be whatever you want it to be when you eat it. It was called manna. And you know what manna means in the Hebrew? What is it? (laughs) Seriously, look it up. Google it. I'm not lying. Right, Dad? What is it? Because every morning they would go out and it would be like, what do you want it to be? Well, I want a chicken biscuit from Chick-fil-A. And they would eat it, and it would be a chicken biscuit. Tomorrow, I want pancakes for breakfast. And the Bible actually says that they would go out, and they would grab it. It would be all over the ground. God would just drop food from heaven. And every time I say this, I think of the movie Cloudy with the Chance of Meatballs. (laughs) I'm sorry. It's one of my favorite kids' movies, both of them. Love it. Anyway, and so so this great thing happened. And then God said, listen, I'm going to lead you. By the pillar of fire by night and the cloud by day. I'm going to lead you. I'm going to be your light in the night. When you're traveling, there's going to be a fire. And and during the day, you're going to see the cloud moving. And you're going to know that I'm with you. I'm taking you to the land that I promised you. I'm taking you to the land I promised you. So that's the first 10 chapters of uh, Numbers. And then chapter 11 hits and the game changes. Someone say game changer. The game changes because what happens is um, the people start complaining and murmuring and griping because they wake up every morning and there's manna laying everywhere. They're, they're a little sick and tired of it. They're a little sick and tired of it. They're, they're a little sick and tired of God's provision now. They got a little entitled. They, they got a little puffed up and, and they, they start murmuring to each other and, and they start saying things like this. Oh, we remember what it was like in Egypt. Remember the food we had in Egypt. And they start naming all these foods, most of which I don't eat. They said we had all the cucumbers we could eat. We had all the melons we could eat. We had all the onions and garlic, maybe those two I like, (laughs) that we wanted. Oh, remember what it was like. Hang on. Hold up. Wait a minute. Y'all were in slavery. Y'all were in bondage. 
and y'all are trying to go back to Egypt? And, and, and I really feel, I really feel this, that it, it wasn't the majority at first that wanted to go back to Egypt. It was the minority that had a negative report and, and, and they kind of started to spread it, right, throughout the camp. And each tribe began to get it because there were certain individuals that had been brought out of Egypt physically, but their mind had not been brought out of Egypt. Egypt was still in them. Even though they had left Egypt, they still had a little bit of Egypt in them. And if we're not careful, we can say, remember when? Remember back in the days when we were living for the devil? Come on, somebody. We were under bondage and slavery. Remember how good it was? Remember the feeling that we had? And we begin to talk about the yesterdays. And we begin to talk about what it used to be like. And they complained and complained and complained in chapter 11. Complaining about food. They kept bringing up food. And I thought, man, that's kind of how it is in my house most nights. I get it. We complain about food. What are we going to eat? I don't know. What do you want to eat? And my wife asks all five of us what we want to eat. And we all want something different. <laughs> and so no one's ever happy. with. Come on, somebody. Just pray for me. You don't know my struggle. And, and, and so I'm just laying the foundation. Then we're going to go somewhere. Um, are you with me tonight? Yeah. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, what are you looking at? <laughs> Come on, what are you looking at? And uh, then we, we come the end of chapter 11 into chapter 12, and Pastor Moses, Pastor Moses has a nervous breakdown. Like, he's like, God, um, I know you called me to lead these people, but they a bunch of knuckleheads. And I want to punch them because you're providing, right? You're leading us to the promised land. You gave us a fire. You gave us a cloud. You gave us food, our clothes. The Bible says that they wore clothes that never wore out. Never wore out. Now, I got a question. It's not in the Bible, but did they stink if they never wore out? Like they kept wearing the same clothes? That's a good question I'll ask God when I get up there. Here they are. Complaining, complaining. Pastor Moses said, this is enough. Uh, I, God, I can't do this. And he, he, he was real close to throwing in the towel. He, he was real close to saying, enough is enough. Now look at this. Here we go. Numbers 13, verse 1 and 2. Look at this. The Lord now said to Moses, here's the plan from God. Moses is discouraged. The people are complaining. They're two years out of Egypt. The Lord said to Moses, send men to explore the land of Canaan, the land I am giving Israel. Who's giving the land? Who's giving the land? God. Send one leader from each tribe. Twelve tribes, one leader. Um, how many leaders are going, y'all? You guys are smart, class. So Moses goes around to the leaders and says, all right, each campus pastor from each tribe, come on, we're going on a camping trip. And they're all like, yay, let's go camping. And we're going to send you to the land. And you're going to look at the land. 
And in verse 17 to 20, look, Moses tells them, here's what you're going to do. You're going to see what the land is like. Is it good or bad? Is the land good or bad? And then check out the soil. Someone say the soil. We'll come back to that in a minute. Check out the soil and the trees and bring me back some fruit. And in verse 27 and 28, when they returned, they gave this report. This was their report to Moses. And it is indeed a magnificent country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is some of its fruit as proof. Verse 28, but... Someone say, but now we're going to get to the rest of the verse in a minute, but I just want you to say, but one more time. We often let our butts get in the way of God's promise, don't we? Listen, it's everything God promised the land. Oh, the land is great. The soil is great. Oh, here's even a sample of the grapes. Pastor Mo, everything is great. It looks great, but, but what happened? What happened to this group? 12 were sent out and we're about to see that 10 came back with a big butt. 2 came back with a positive faith-filled report, but 10 came back with a fearful negative report. They were looking at the headlines way too much. They were looking at what everybody else was saying, and the headlines began to consume them to the point that they only believed that which was negative. And it does the same with you and I. When we are focused only on the headlines. Now, I'm not saying not to be informed. I'm not saying not to be up to date on what's going on in our world, but there is a difference from being up to date on the news and being consumed with the news to the point you believe everything you read and hear, and when your life is controlled by it, it begins to incite fear into your life. There's a difference between being informed and being consumed with it to the point where all you think about is the worst case scenario. Because you're consumed with the headlines. Someone say the headlines. And if you're going to believe everything you read, then you should start reading your Bible. I said, if you're going to believe everything you read and hear on the news, you should start reading your Bible. I'll say that for the people in the back that are quiet as a mouse tonight. I love y'all. And here's what happens when we see with eyes of fear. Someone say eyes of fear. Number one, you ready? Here's what happens when we see with eyes of fear. We exaggerate our difficulties. First thing that happens when we are consumed with negative, toxic headlines, when we allow it to run our lives, causing us to make fear-filled decisions instead of faith-filled decisions, we exaggerate our difficulties. We all do it. I've done it in the last 19 months. Anybody else been there? No, only 10 of you. The rest of y'all should have the mic tonight. Look, watch this. God has just delivered them from Egypt, the most powerful nation in the world. And now they're scared of some little local tribe. 
they go in and they get scared because they got some big dudes, right? We're about to see it in a minute. They got some giants and, and we're scared of this little tribe. When you were just, God just delivered you from the most powerful nation in the world. And now you're scared how quickly we forget. How quickly they forgot that God delivered them from the most evil nation in the world. And how quickly you and I forget how good God has been and how he has delivered us and how he has shown up time and time again. How quickly we forget. Because when you look with eyes of fear, your problems get bigger and you actually magnify them and make them bigger than they are. When you're looking through eyes of fear. So some people right now are looking at the economy and they're saying, oh, my gosh, we're going under. Because you're looking through eyes of fear. Other people are looking through eyes of faith and say, but my God will supply all of my needs. Oh, wait, I'm in covenant with you. I bring the tithe, your tithe, God that you said bring back to my house, and you said you would rebuke the devourer for my sake. So me and my family, we're going to be all right. No matter what happens, what headline are you reading? What headline are you buying into? What headline are you allowing to consume your life? What headline are you bringing into your marriage? What headline are you bringing into your family? We are snared by the words of our mouth. Be careful what you say to those little kids in this season. Be careful how you allow a spirit of fear to jump from you to your kids because of what you're speaking and what you're watching. Now I'm about to preach. I'm burning up. I feel like a rotisserie chicken up here. Someone say, what are you looking at? When we read and believe all the headlines, everything in our life is exaggerated. Everything in our life is exaggerated. Look at num- numbers. We continue. Look what they did. Numbers 13, 27, 28. It's a magnificent land, but the people living there are powerful and their cities are fortified and large. What's more, we saw an Anak giants there. And look at verse 31 and 32. Other spies said, they'd crush us. So the majority... Report of the spies was what? Negative. Was negative. I want, I want to point something out here. The majority report is always negative. If, if you're going to get anything done in this world, if you're going to do anything for God, you're going to have to go against the majority report. How many people told you you never get free from that substance? How many people told you your marriage would never make it through that infidelity? How many people told you your kids would never amount to anything? How many people told you you're never going to have anything in life? You're a loser. You're this. You're that. The majority of the report is always negative. Who's we used to sing a song back in the day. Whose report are you going to believe? We will believe the report of the Lord. His report says. I think we've been saying what the headlines say more than God's report in the last 19 months. We've been lining up. We believe that the headlines in the news is higher than God. We read newspaper and we put it above the word of God because if it's in the newspaper, it must be absolute truth. You need to get back to this book that is absolute truth. And you need to say, I'm not subscribing. I'm not co-signing to every headline that comes out. Not for me. Hmm. Only had two. 
came back with a positive report out of 12. Their names were Joshua and Caleb. It's funny. We don't even remember the 10 that had the negative report. What's their names? Anybody? You don't know them. You don't know them. Here's a few of their names. Amiel, Gaddy, Shapath, Shamu. <laughs> Never heard of them. Listen, your haters, you ain't even going to remember them next month, next year. You're not even going to remember the people who tried to tear you down with their negativity and their toxic words. You're not even going to remember them. The Bible says Joshua and Caleb had a different spirit. You ain't going to remember them. You got a different spirit. Someone say, I got a different spirit. Yeah, yeah. Negativity is contagious. Notice that they were excited about going into the land, but now they're exaggerating. They were excited. They were high-fiving. Come on, we going to God's land. Hashtag promised land. Here we come. Hashtag delayed, but not denied. But they started to look at the wrong things. Number two, when we look through the eyes of fear, we underestimate our abilities. Look at this. Verse 33, we seemed, <laughs> we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we looked the same to them. I got a question. How did they know what their thoughts were about them? See, your perception is not always your reality. It's just what you think is reality. <laughs> Uh, I'm trying to hold on here. We seem we're like grass. We're a bunch of bugs. Someone say bugs. They're going to crush us. What did they have? They had the wrong self-image. How did they know what the enemy thought of it? They did not know. But there's one word for this. It's called projection. Watch this. You tend to project, project your fears on everyone else around you. And that's what they did. That's what they did. They projected their fears on everyone else around them, and they made up fake news. How do you like that? Fake news. They think we're grasshoppers. They think we're no. They think it wasn't even true. It wasn't even true, y'all. Hmm? 400 years, and they're still a slave by their image of themselves. If you ever conquer the image of yourself and you line up with the God image that you should be living, that you should be reflecting, it changes everything in your life. Your confidence comes back. You realize I do have abilities. I have gifts and I have talents. I know who I am because I am made in the image of my heavenly father. I got the DNA of God inside of me. No single ladies, you'll say no man is going to tell me my worth. Well, if you just sleep with me, you love me. No man is going to tell me that when my heavenly father loves me for who I am. And if I have to sleep with you for you to love me, then that ain't love. That's lust. That ain't in the notes, but that's free for somebody. 400 years, still trapped by a negative image, still trapped by the headlines, 
still in prison, a self-imposed prison. Hit your neighbor and say, what are you looking at? Number three, what happens when we look through the eyes of fear? Number three, we start to gripe about our lives. We start to gripe about our lives. Look at this. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. We're going to go for the pastors. Pastor Mo, Pastor Aaron. And they said, we wish we had died in Egypt. They wailed. Or even in the wilderness. Really. This chronic complaining just two years in. Notice, just two years in. Now, we know, we know, church, it would take them 40 years to get to the promised land because of this. But two years in, they're already griping and complaining about their lives. They end up delaying them from stepping into their promised land. They start blaming leaders, blame-shifting people. We've had a lot of that go on recently, right? Huh? We blame other people. My life is horrible because of them. And we complain and we criticize other people. Let me just say this. Highly critical people are always highly insecure people. Hmm? And I, I, I read this. There was an author. Tra- there is an author, Travis Bradbury. He wrote a book, Emotional Intelligence 2.0. And he said this, and I quote, repeated complaining hardwires your brain to do more complaining. So it's easier to be negative than positive. He goes on to say, before long, we enter a confirmation bias, meaning you expect something to be bad and you get what you expect. You create your own reality of negativity, and now it's easy for you to complain. It's your nature. It's automatic. It's your personality. I'm just going to complain all the time because negativity seems right in your eyes. And this is what happened to the Israelites. They had a trained negative mindset. And I believe that's what's happened to a lot of people in the body of Christ in the last 19 months. They have a trained negative mindset. And tonight, for somebody, it's going to break tonight. There's going to be a freedom up here tonight. That's what happens with many of us. Number four, number four, when we look through the eyes of fear, we eventually give up and blame God. We eventually give up and blame God, and that's what's happened to a lot of people. That's what's happened to a lot of people in this season. Look at this. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to be killed with swords? We'd be better off going back to Egypt. We'd be better off. They're giving up. They're blaming God. Most of the time when somebody grows cold in God, they blame two people. They blame church leadership and they blame God. It's true, right? And so be careful if you start to grow cold in God. (laughs) Be careful on who you try to blame for the state of your heart. Your heart is your heart. You're in control of that. The Bible says guard it. You, you, You put the security system around your heart. They're blaming God for them not going into the promised land. And God isn't the one holding them back. It's their own fear that's holding them back. And they start to remember the good old days of Egypt. 400 years. God, we'd just be ready. If we, we might as well just go back. 400 years of being tortured. 400 years of being told what to do each day. But it was safe. Hmm. It was safe. 
slavery. It was safe slavery. And it was safe. It was comfortable. It was predictable. We knew what would happen at this time of the day. And we knew at this time this would happen. It was safe slavery. And some of you have subscribed to safe slavery in the last 19 months. Enslaved by a relationship because it's what you are used to. I'm going to go back to that feeling. I'm going to go back to that. Enslaved by a substance. I'm going to go back to that because that, that's, that's comfortable. That's, that's what I like. Enslaved by a thought. Enslaved by a feeling. You really don't like it. You really don't want to go there. But it's safe in your eyes. It's safe slavery. And some are confusing slavery with safety, and they are not the same thing. Listen, church. Safe will keep you trapped in the past, satisfied with today, and afraid of tomorrow. There is nothing safe about this life. Safe should never be the goal. The goal should be living a life fully led by faith and not by fear should be the goal. Is the soil good? Is the soil good in this land? Is the soil good? Well, for the 10 that came back, it was a no. The soil's not good because fear is grown in the soil of uncertainty. And because they allowed fear to dominate their lives, they were in the land that God promised them, but a spirit of fear came on them. And fear began to grow in the soil of uncertainty. I want to ask you today, has fear grown in the soil of uncertainty in your life? Have there been some dreams that seem like they fell by the wayside? Have there been some issues in your life that you said, God, I don't think it can ever turn around? Have there been some thoughts about your future and your livelihood and your family that have you trapped in fear thinking that God is my problem, that leaders and church is my problem? What is driving you? Is fear in the driver's seat of your life tonight? Because I can tell you right now, it's tried to drive my life in the last 19 months. It's tried to control me. But I'm telling you, I've refused to read the headlines of the enemy. I'm going to believe the report of the Lord because there was two other leaders that came, Joshua and Caleb, and they had a different report about the soil. And they said this, faith grows in the soil of assurance. Assurance, not in me and my abilities, but in the one who gave me the promise. The one who said, this is my land. The one who said, this is for my family. The one who said, this is for my marriage. The one who said that, that God said, I want to bless you and prosper you. The one, the one that says that, that God said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. The one that says, my peace and my presence will be with you. No matter what the headlines read in this world, God's headlines read a different report. It's a positive, faith-filled report. What are you looking at tonight? What are you looking at? What are you looking at? Whatever you behold, you become. All they could see were the giants. All they could see, they were afraid. 
and fear stopped them. And look what God said about them. I have forgiven them. But not one of them will ever see the land that I promised them. Hmm? I've forgiven them. But they ain't going to make it. And look what he says about the two that came back with the faith-filled report. But because my servant Caleb and Joshua had a different spirit and they followed me wholeheartedly, I will bring them into the land they went in and their descendants will inherit it. All the other 10 and their families died in the wilderness. It's in your Bible. The only families that made it were the families of Joshua and Caleb. They made it into the promised land. I want you to be a part of the Joshua and Caleb family. I want your kids, I want your marriage to make it into the promised land. What are you looking at tonight? Tonight's the night that you stop believing every negative headline. And you start siding with the headline of God's word. Well, 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 but, but get your butt out of the way. We're tired of your butt. But, but pastor, but no, no, no. These are going to be the greatest days of your life. If you look through the eyes of faith and not through the eyes of fear, it's your choice. What are you looking at? What are you looking at? What headlines do you need to change tonight? What do you need to cut out that's feeding that negativity in your life? What are you watching that you shouldn't watch that you know every time you watch it, fear begins to grip you? Oh my gosh. Oh my, I can't go to church. Oh my gosh, I can't go there. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my, my kid. Oh my gosh, what are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? And we're walking around being driven by a spirit of fear. And tonight for some of you, it's gonna break. Tonight for some of you, you're going into your promised land up here. You're going to start to dream again. Some of you have lost your dreams. Some of you have lost the visions that God gave you because you read the headlines. Some of you, before COVID, you know God called you to be a financial contributor to advance the gospel in a powerful, generous way. And now because of what's happening, you just kind of step back and said, I don't think that can happen now. I, I, I don't know if that can really happen with me because of what's going on. You're reading the wrong headlines. You're reading, some, some of you thought, man, before COVID, God, you're going to use me. There's a call of God on my life. And then you slip back into something. And now you're doing right. And now you think God took the calling away from you. And I'm here to tell you the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. He still chose you. Even when you don't choose him, he still chose you. What are you looking at tonight? What are you looking at? Because this right here, you got to change your perspective. Your circumstances may not change tonight, but your perspective can change. You start looking. Whatever you behold, you become. 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 Oh, oh, you got a promise for my family? Okay. Oh, you wish above all things that I would prosper and be in health even as my soul pro? Oh, okay. That's the headline that I want to read over my family.
Oh, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Oh, peace. Yeah, I want that headline. Oh, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Yeah, joy in the middle of a pandemic. It's possible. And I preach this because all four of the, all three out of the four points, I've done. The fourth one, I never thought about giving up on God and blaming God. But some of you may be there. But the other three, I was there this year. I was ready. I, I had a thought. Man, maybe, maybe, maybe I should try something else. Battling some personal things in my life and with our family. and I thought, man, maybe this is it. I felt like Moses. I'm tired of these people. They're all complaining. Mask, no mask. Vax, no vax. Six feet apart, no feet apart. Black coffee, weak coffee. Come on now. And uh, I'm here to tell you that I want to be a part of Joshua and Caleb to have a different spirit. And I think you do too. But we got to watch what we watch and we got to listen to what we listen to because the world doesn't have the last say. And let me just take a step forward. The government doesn't have the last say. Actually, the Bible says the government rests on his shoulders. God's got this. I said, God's got this. Why are you worrying? Just start worshiping. Don't worry. Worship. Worship. Stand with me. Worship. We got to stop worrying and we got to start worshiping. We got we to gotta allow faith to rule our lives. You got into this walk with the Lord by faith. And we continue by faith until we lead this earth. It is by faith. It is our faith that pleases God, the Bible says. And I know in the last 19 months, there were some times where I wasn't pleasing God because I allowed fear to drive me, my thoughts. Because I was watching the headlines. I was glued to the headlines. Oh, my gosh. And for about a few months, man, they had me. Those headlines had me. And they got some of you tonight. God brought this word to tell you, change your view, shift your perspective, change what you're looking at. You can look at stars or you can look at mud. I'm going to look at the stars. I'm going to look at the man who flung the stars up into the sky for me as a reminder that though he's still got the whole world in his hands. That he's not up in heaven worried about the economy. He's not worried about your Christmas presents on a boat out in the water. Come on, somebody. God can take a jet ski and go get all your presents. By the way, you can buy all your presents out there at the fuel merch. We got it all in. Shameless plug. Close your eyes with me. Lord, we thank you tonight for your word. We thank you. We're going to start looking from a different perspective. We've allowed the enemy to intimidate us. We've allowed those giants to make us believe that we're nothing. When we serve a big God, we serve the God of the universe. And we've allowed our own thoughts to drive us to fear-filled decisions. But tonight it stops. Tonight we refuse 
to walk by fear and we walk by faith and not by sight. We don't walk by feelings. We don't walk by what we see happening in our world. Our faith is in you, God, the one who created the world, the one who saved us, the one who brought us out of our personal Egypt, the one who set us free from bondage and slavery. So our faith is in you, not in this world system. Our faith is in the kingdom of God Almighty. So we shift our perspective. We shift what we're looking at. God, we say, if you gave us the promise, so be it. We are more than able. We are more than able. Not because of us, but because of you. The greater one that lives inside of us. Though our giants may be big, we declare that our God is bigger. We declare that our God is bigger than the giant that's breathing down our throat right now. I want you to declare it with your mouth right now. In this moment, whatever giant of fear, whatever it is, it could be finances, it could be your marriage, it could be your children, it could be their education, it could be fear of the future, it could be physical. You're dealing with a physical battle right now, and the devil's told you that he's going to take you out, that this is your last Christmas, this is the last year you're alive. Whatever that giant is, I want you to stare at that giant right now. I want you to tell him, my God is bigger than you. My God is bigger. Come on, I want you to do it right now. Right now, declare it with your mouth. Open your mouth. There's power in confession. There's power in your word. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. Life and death. So we're going to start to speak faith-filled words over our life, over our kids, over our marriage, over our future. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Please take a moment to subscribe, rate, review, and share this podcast with others. You could take a screenshot, post it on your social media, and tag us. If you ever have the opportunity, we'd love for you to join us for one of our weekend gatherings. For more information on our locations and service times, please visit us at thefuelchurch.com. We hope this message inspired you to take your next step in your faith journey. See you next week.